it's your first time, uh, we love to do series here. And what a series really represents is we believe throughout the word of God, there is a rhythm of God, a character of God, things that God doesn't want us to miss. And so instead of talking about something for one week, we want to talk about it for a season so we really understand really what God's trying to get across to his people. And so this series for Christmas is titled Hope. Everybody say hope. God wants to have his people not live with despair, not live with dread, but to live with this thing called hope. And hope could be this abstract word, really what does it mean? And that's what we're going to unpack today. Tell them a message today is hope, how could he did and he will. How could he did and he will. That doesn't make no sense. I know it's going to make sense, okay? It's the weirdest title ever. How could he did he will. Oh, it's going to be good. It says this in 1 Peter 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. Oh, I'm so glad that our God is merciful. God is so merciful when we sin. He doesn't have mercy so we would keep sinning. He's patient so we would turn away from him and live the promise we're supposed to. God wants you to live for him, live his way. He has caused us to be born again. Everybody say born again. Into what? It says to a living hope. Everybody say hope. Come on. Born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Stop. Hope is not a thing. It's a person. His name is Jesus. When you put hope in Jesus, it's a game changer. Hope is a game changer, all game changers. Hear what I mean by that. I'll I'll share a quick illustration. I am a terrible parallel parker. I mean, terrible. Anybody else just terrible parallel parking? Like, just like you park like this to the street instead of like this, okay? I'm such a bad uh, parallel parker. The only wreck I've ever been in, that was my fault, was I hit a car parallel parking. And I'm not talking bumping the rim. I'm talking I was next to the car, and I was coming in, and I go, line across the side of this Ford. Drive, drive, drive. I'm just kidding, okay? It's that predicament. Lord, I love you, but I hate bills. You know what I'm saying? I love you, but it's going to bust my budget. What do I do, God? Don't worry, I gave my information. It was terrible, but it's the only wreck I've ever been in. Parallel parking, I hit somebody else's car. Never told my wife that story. Because as a man, you want to take care of business. You want her to know that you can drive when it's rainy. You want her to know that if somebody uh, breaks into the house, that you'll take care of them with one gun and two guns. You know what I'm saying? That's what you want to be to your wife. So we're driving in Carmel about a year ago. No, no, this is like three years ago. Forgive me. Uh, And we're about to go to this place called uh, Carmel Bell, I think is the name of it. A little cafe, really uh, great place. And uh, If you've ever been to Carmel, it is a parallel parker's nightmare, Okay. It is just street parking this. The curbs are higher than they should be. A lot of things aren't regulation. And so I'm trying to park in this small spot and I'm literally getting in there and, and Rachel literally looks at me and, and you know, about an hour goes by going, eh, 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 okay. Um, felt like an hour, okay. Rachel looks at me and she says, hey, would you like me to do it? One of our biggest fights we've ever been in. I'm t- I, I exploded. I mean, I, it's the worst reaction I've ever had in our marriage. I literally was like, say what? You trying to hurt me? Like, I flipped out. I was like, I got this. You know, I was like, rah, 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 we're good. And I just locked the door. We went to lunch. And I was like, I can't believe she doesn't think I can parallel park. <laughs> I'm a man. Man. You know? We didn't talk for like an hour. I, mean, I kid you not. One of our worst fights, you can ask Rachel. Okay? It was GMC Terrain. It had no uh, park assist. It was the cheaper version. It was the lowest version of all of them. I remember getting rid of it, and we got this Jeep Grand Cherokee Limited. 
year older, but I get in and turn it on and the guy goes, oh yeah, there's this park assist thing. And again, I never had a car with park assist. This is new to me. And I remember like, what do you mean park assist? Like, well, you know, we back up, it's going to show you where you're at as cameras. We go beep, 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 all that kind of stuff. I was like, oh, that's cool. And I'll never forget <sighs> pulling up to a spot with my Jeep Grand Cherokee, parallel parking, and I reversed. And I saw this little thing that was guiding me. <laughs> and I absolutely dominated it. I was just like, next. You know, it was one of those moments. I'll literally park now and people will be, I'll parallel park and I'll back up even sometimes when I'm feeling brave. I'm not going to pull in frontwards. I'm pulling in the backwards, you know. And I'll parallel park and be like, oh, that was great. <laughs> Thank you. I'm awesome at parallel parking. I can't take credit for it. There was this game changer of all game changers called Park Assist that was added to the car. Hope is going to change the way you live and love. When you get cars, it literally changes the way you drive sometimes. Our, our Jeep Grand Cherokee, it has air-conditioned seats on a hot day, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. When you get to know the Lord, He doesn't get work on your old Pinto. He gives you a brand new, oh, born again, a new promise, a new hope, a new life. And with that new life comes this thing called hope, that you wouldn't dread the day when you start leaving the day. You wouldn't dread things that you used to dread, but you would have hope now because you have something that you've never had before. Hope is the game changer of all game changers. My prayer today is as we look at Abraham's life, the man who hoped first out of anybody else, it's an amazing story, that maybe if you haven't hoped for a while, you're going to hope again. Will you bow your heads? Oh, Father, we love you. We love you. We love you. We need you this morning. Again, Lord, I, I love what Caleb read. Oh, it's good news for all people. Lord, every single person in this room, you have a plan for their life. Oh, you want to redeem them. You want to restore them. You want to take dead things and bring them back to life. You want to take bondage. You want to break the chains and bring freedom. Lord, you want to take despair and bring joy and hope. Oh, so Lord, this morning we just declare we need our God. We don't need charisma. We don't need a good idea. We don't need just something. We need the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Oh, we love you. We love you. Everybody said? If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans 4. Romans 4. It's, uh, we're going to pick up in uh, verse 18. We're going to have it on the screen too here. This is an amazing moment uh, where they are celebrating Abraham's life. And when we learn Abraham, it's, his name is Abram and Abraham. Abram means dad. Abraham means big daddy, okay? Father of many nations, all right? So that's the difference between the names. Here's what it says in Romans 4.18. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. Turn to your neighbor and say, keep hoping. Oh, no, say it with some passion. Say, keep hoping. Come on, this is going to be a, a, an active message today. You're going to leave sweating, all right? Here we go. Like, did I go to the gym or did I go to church? Both. All right, here we go. Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger and stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. Oh, it keeps going. Oh, God counted him as righteous. It wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe. Everybody say believe. believe. Come on, believe and hope are connected. You can't separate them. Believe in him. The one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins. Oh, Lord, thank you for dying for our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right again. Oh, and thank you for conquering sin and conquering death. Made us right with God. Stop. 
I wrote this down. I think a lot of us get discouraged because we compare our behind the scenes with everyone else's highlights. We compare all our mistakes with everyone's successes. And here's what I mean by that. You're a parent, and your kids are just running amok in the house, and you just lose it. I mean, chop off everything. Ah, you little demons, get in your bedroom. Because like, oh, mom, I'm a demon. Dad, I'm a demon. You call me a demon. You get on Instagram, and you see another parent being like, oh, just me and my little angels on the way to the park. You're like, I'm a terrible parent. This parent's saying little angels, and I'm calling my kids demons. You get discouraged. You're, you're, you're comparing your behind the scenes with somebody's highlight. It would be like being married. If you're married and it's, you're having a big old fight with your spouse and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, you're just like your father, you know, you're just like your mom, whatever, okay? Things you shouldn't say, all right? You get on Instagram and you see Rachel post a picture of me and she's like, my man, I love him. Uh, love my marriage. Best marriage on the planet. You'd be like, ugh. Ugh, comparing your behind the scenes with Rachel and I's highlight. Trust me, it's not always like that. Rachel got home last night even. I'll just share her behind the scenes last night. She went to, I went to the gym, she went to Target, and I just asked her for one thing, one thing. Could you pick up some water? We're out of water. Anything for you, babe. That's how it started. That's a fantastic way to start it, okay? It's like, oh, thanks, yeah, we're out of water. So she goes to Target, and she texts me, do you need anything else from Whole Foods? I was like, oh, yeah, uh, bananas, oatmeal, um, and some brown sugar. It's for my, uh, um, uh, for my uh, breakfast. And Rachel's like, I thought I was your sugar. I was like, stop it, girl. Uh, <laughs> you can't flirt over text. Uh, anyways, anyways. Uh, so, but then she texts me. She goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I already left Whole Foods. And I was like, oh. I, she's like, do you want me to go back? Oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll eat like some, I'll, I'll fast in the morning. How's that? You know? <laughs> and so I was like, just come home, baby. Just come home. And so she comes home. And literally, she's in the kitchen. I was like, hey, did you get the water? Uh, you asked me for water? What? And I was like, I literally said, can I have some water? And I, I said, I need water. We're out. And you said anything for you, babe. You don't remember that conversation? I seriously completely forgot. And I was like, I can't believe you forgot the water. I, was, I like, started getting upset. I was like, I knew, I knew you'd forget the water. And then this girl set me up. She's like, but I did go back to Whole Foods and get you oatmeal and brown sugar. But I was like, <laughs> I was like, did you prepare this? Was this a test that I epically failed? I was like, stop it, just give me a kiss. I mean, you can't do that to me. I can drink from the faucet. I can be a barbarian for a day. She set me up, that's one of our behind the, we don't post that on Instagram. I'm gonna go, hey everybody, it's just me. I was being a big old dum-dum. Be like, where's my water girl? And she's like, I went back to the store for you. Post, best life. We don't do that. We post our, our, our we never post our behind the scenes. Another one. This one will be quicker, I promise. You're having a hard week living for God. It's a hard week. It's just, it's just hard to, to pray. It's hard to even do the right thing. You feel like you're just failing left and right. You go on Instagram, you see somebody say, isn't life amazing with Jesus? Hashtag best life with Jesus. And it just hurts you. You're like, I'm not having the best life right now with Jesus. I'm failing right now with Jesus. I'm angry right now with Jesus. What happens when you read Romans 4 and it talks about Abraham? Oh, Abraham, stronger and stronger, never failed. Oh, he's amazing. He believed, he believed. You go, how in the world, as a believer, am I supposed to follow in those footsteps? How am I supposed to be encouraged by this thing? So I thought it would be sweet of us to go behind the scenes with Abraham. 
to go see his failures, to see how God highlights our lives. How, how, when our lives are summarized in the, in, in the word of God, when God summarizes our journey, you'll find out that, man, we all fail. We all sin. We all try to do it in our own strength at times. And we're going to learn from uh, Abraham's mistakes so we can actually uh, live a life of success. Does that sound okay? Does that make sense with you? Okay, cool. So here's what we're going to do. Um, I believe that uh, there are three things. It's a rhythm. I think hope, 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 hope is a rhythm, okay? Uh, and here's what hope's rhythm is. Uh, first one is God gives you a promise. Boom. That's what always starts with a promise. So a promise salvation. Uh, a promise of him loving you no matter what. A promise of him restoring your life. These are all promises from God. And the rhythm that we have, I think everything starts with this. How could? How could God love me all the time and never get mad at me? How could God save me? You're going to wrestle with this how could. And then what you'll see is, is that he did. He saved you. How could? He did. And then after he did, guess what he will do? There's another person saying how could. He did and he will. How could? He did. He will. With Abraham, he comes with a promise, and here's his how could. Let's see what the promise is. Genesis 12, we're going to start right there, verse 1. And this is what Abraham uh, uh, gets from the Lord as a promise. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contentment. Turn to your neighbor and say, you better be nice to me. Come on now. Mm -mm, don't mess with me. Lord, you curse me. I'm about to get you, girl. Come on. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed. Let's go back. Hey, leave, leave your whole family. So Abraham uh, departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him, his family. What, what, hold on a second. Behind the scenes. Abraham believed him. All right, Lord, I believe the promise. I'm leaving. But I'm going to kind of leave on my own terms. I'm going to bring some comfort with me because this is, so I'm going to bring Lot. I'm not supposed to bring Lot, but I'm going to bring Lot. So many of us, when we start this journey, we think that we have to be perfect. And God wants you to just, here's the deal, ready? Hope's got to get you moving. Come on, just get you moving. Hope's got to get you to church. You may be saying, oh, I can't go to church this week. The sins I committed this week, I can't go to church. No, hope says get up, get to church. Hope says get up and pray. Oh, you know, I can't pray today. If you knew what I did, if you knew the things I brought with me. No, hope says get moving. Abraham got moving. Even though he was uh, bringing something he shouldn't have, he was still moving. Hope was moving him. You know, God will use you in spite of you sometimes. Can we agree with this? So then let's uh, stop right there. So uh, Genesis 13, let's see what Abraham does. Abraham becomes very wealthy. He leaves, he becomes very wealthy. Uh, we all think P. Diddy came up with more money, more problems. Actually, it was birthed in Genesis 13, okay? It says that Abraham became very wealthy. And him and Lot were like, uh-oh, this land ain't big enough for both of us. Because who knows this, that man, when people love money, like somebody like Lot, uh, it's going to cause problems. So there's more money, more problems. Abraham goes, hey, hey, we don't got to fight. Because Abraham doesn't have a poverty mindset. So you're not going to fight over the riches. There's more than enough to go around. And he goes, hey, just pick whatever, your eye, whatever looks good to you. You can have it. And I believe Abraham understood that his promise wasn't just a place. His promise was actually a person, and his name was Jesus. You can let people pick stuff. Go ahead. Hey, get the promotion. If that's your promotion, go for it. Chase it. That's all good. Pick whatever looks best to you. I know my God's leading me to my promise. I don't need to point and say that's mine. Goes on to say, Lot picks the land, and then after that, guess what happens? When you bring things along with you, though, it will create sideways energy in your life. Genesis 14, Lot gets captured. Lot gets taken over. And so Abram, instead of going, walking towards his promise, he's got to go rescue Lot. 
And people always ask me, man, like, what's your view on sin? I hate sin. Man, I want to kill sin. I believe the way you kill sin is that you turn the light on. I believe the way you kill sin is with Jesus. I believe the way you kill sin is you fall in love with the Lord. I don't focus on a thousand no's this week. I focus on one yes every single day. I say yes to Jesus and no to hell. And so Abram has to go rescue Lot. Now let's pick up at Genesis 15. Some translators say sometime later. So we don't know how long, but sometime later, Abram's had this promise that God is going to birth a nation out of him. So he's going to have some kids. That's a great promise. But sometime later, man, it doesn't work on his clock. Abram's a little frustrated. Here's what he says. After this, the word of the Lord, this is Genesis 15. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. You are a very great reward. And I love the Lord always remind us, do not be afraid that he is our shield. Oh, man, may that just pierce you today. Here comes Abram's how could. Here comes Abram's how could. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Abraham said, Hold on a second, Lord. You said I would be a father of many nations. You said, but I don't see it. You said, but I don't see and what happens a lot with us is we feel like, I, I feel like God said I was going to have breakthrough. God, you said breakthrough. I don't see breakthrough. And so you go to the Lord. Hey, bring your how could to the Lord. Lord, how could you save me? How could you really bless me? How could you still love me? If you, if you, Lord, you know what I did. How could? A little bit of advice here from a 36-year-old pastor who barely knows anything, so take it or leave it. Stop telling God what you see. And start believing what he sees for your life. You said, God, but I don't see. And God's like, this is how much you can see in life. I don't even know what tomorrow brings, to be honest. I can't tell you. I like the planet. I like to think of it. I have no idea. This is where I'm at right now. God's promised us a building as a church. He's promised us a new venue. I believe it in my heart. I believe it. I've been waiting for one email for the last nine weeks that we're going to get a new venue. And every week I'm thinking of coming this week and still hasn't came. And so I'm like, Lord, you said, but I, 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 don't, I don't get it. And I, I mean, like, say, like, oh, it's coming tomorrow. Is it? I don't know. I'm telling the Lord, the Lord is coming tomorrow. Oh, you're telling me what's happening now, huh, Tyler? This is how far we see. Stop telling God what you see and ask him what he sees for your life. Stop going to him and complaining, because here's what happens. Oh, I love this. Abraham tells him what he doesn't have. Hey, just so you know, I am childless. So a father has to have kids to be a father of many nations, but I'm childless. You need to stop talking. You need to start listening. Stop telling God what you bring to the table. Trust me, he knows. God knows what you bring to the table. He didn't pick you because you brought something great to the table. He didn't pick you because you were the best. He didn't pick you because you were righteous. He didn't pick you because you were bringing something great to the table. You know why he picked you? Because he is good. You want to know he picked you? Because he is love. He didn't say, oh, you know, I'm impressed with that person. They're pretty cool. I pick you. No, actually, all of us are sin. All of us were darkness before we encountered him, and then we became light. Goes on to say, and this is what I love about the Lord. Oh, I love it. So here's what happens when you, when you wrestle with the Lord. How could, how could? It's okay to, to start with how could, but you've got to take it to the when he comes with the he will. It says this, then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said, so shall be your offspring. Oh, some of you need a picture to hold on to. Some of you need a dream. Without vision, people perish. 
I think the enemy does not want you to get in your word, in your word, because if you get in your word, you actually start seeing pictures of what actually God has painted for your life. And when you have a picture, it makes you hold on to hope. So God is painting a picture. And we are, are we, are, do we have imagination or what? Do you think God gave us imagination so it wouldn't be used for his glory? You think God gave us dreams so it wouldn't be used for his glory? You think God gave us the gift to actually picture things so it wouldn't be used for his glory? He gave Abraham a picture and said, look, you got to stop looking again and say, God, what do you want me to see? Here's where Abraham is such a gangster. Abram believed, sorry, holy, whatever, okay? Um, did you say gangster in church? Uh, Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. All right, so look at the promise. Everything's going to be great, right? Let's just go to the next, just the next part. This is the next part of the story. Abram's like, I believe you, God, I believe you. I believe you, Jesus. Wow, Abram, you're awesome. Highlight reel, post it on Instagram. I just believed God. I am now righteous. Click, post. This part in Genesis 16, well, you will not find it on the Insta story. You will not find it on Facebook. You will not find it on Twitter. Here's what happens in Genesis 16. This is a sub point to the message. It is the I will. A lot of us say, how could God? I don't think he can, so I will take it in my own hands. And then we get angry at God and say he didn't. Man ruins his life for his own folly, it says in Proverbs, yet his heart rages against the Lord. Mm. You don't want the rhythm of, how could God? I'll do it. Why did this happen, God? Because uh, you did it. That's why it happened. Genesis 16, here's what happened. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said, Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed with Sarah and said, okay. <laughs> I wish in this scripture there was just a little pushback. It's like when there's like six people at the table. It's going to be a big bill. and I'm like, I got this. I just want the other people to say, oh, no, let me pay. Really, it's token area. Like, oh, I wish I could grab the check, but you got it first. You know, like, I got this. Yeah, you do. <laughs> what? You don't like that response. But he's like, hey, you should sleep with Hagar. You got it. <laughs> Terrible response from Abram. You're not seeing that on Insta story. You're not going to see that highlight. No pushback. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her, Egyptian slave Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. When Sarah, Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. So then Sarah comes to Abram. You know that idea I had? Yeah, it's your fault now. I am angry with you, okay? Look at this. She goes, uh, uh, it's your fault now. I love what she does. This is fantastic. <laughs> I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me, okay? <laughs> hey, my idea, boom. Now let the Lord see who actually really is the blame. Man, you look throughout Genesis all the way through, there's this rhythm of flesh. How could God? I will, he didn't, I got to blame somebody. Man, blame is this flesh thing. Blame comes when you lose hope. Blame comes when you want to blame somebody else because you, you don't really see the end of it. You got to have somebody to blame for what's going on. Man, when I spill a cup of water, I'm looking for somebody to just blame. Who, did, who put that cup of water there? Oh, I did. Okay, it's my fault. I sat, in a water, I sat in water in a chair when we were in L.A. two weeks ago, and Rachel picked the table, so I was like, look what you did to me. I wanted to blame somebody. This is the flesh. And I didn't blame her, but that's literally how my first, that was my first flesh reaction. I was like, man, stop it, flesh. That's what I do in my flesh. Hey, knock it off, okay? 
It works. Goes on to say, your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with whatever you think best. Then Sarah mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. There's Abram not leading his home. Talk about lack of leadership in the home. Talk about not saying, hey, let's believe God. How about saying, hey, he will birth kids out of this family. His promise said it. He will do it. How could he? He did and he will. But nothing. I wrote this down. It's a very simple thing. But after the promise of Isaac, Abraham and Sarah go with the flesh. Manipulation, impatience, trying to help God out. You want to help God out? Surrender, trust, believe, obedience. You are not helping God out by giving him your game plan. Come to him for the game plan. I wrote this down. No human plan can deliver what God has promised. No human plan can deliver what God has promised. If somebody comes up to you with a human plan for your promise for your life, either run or just literally just kind of, huh, thank you so much, have a great day, and then throw it away. If your promise is coming from a human being instead of from the Lord, you have missed it. If your plan for your life is coming from a person instead of the Lord, you have missed it. This is not a condemnation thing. This is a thing, oh my gosh, I actually have more for my life. What a great promise from God. Goes on to say, very simply, uh, I was like, man, I'm so glad I'm not Abram. I mean, if Rachel told me like, to go sleep with somebody, I, it wouldn't even be like a discussion. She couldn't talk to me, Tyler, you need to do this. It's for the family. I wouldn't be like, ah. It would be so quick, no. So I couldn't really relate with this story, to be honest. I don't think a lot of us can relate with this story. But I believe that all of us have birthed Hagar's in our life. I think all of us have birthed Ishmael's in our life, that basically we get a promise from God, but then we always add our I will. And here's what I wrote. Here are some how-coulds I think all of us go through. How could God save one like me? How could God not give up on someone like me? How could God bless someone as bad as me? And how could God love someone as messed up as me? And here's what I wrote down. These are my, this is a little thing, and again, take it or leave it, but this is how I've seen my life go. You said you saved me, God, but I will make up rules to keep myself saved. All right, God, I get it. I'm saved. That's my promise. I don't really feel that saved. I got I to I, I have my own I wills. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll birth some rules that are my own bar, and then I'll follow them, and I'll tell everybody else these are important rules also to stay saved. You're stealing from the Spirit, and you're adding flesh to it. You said you would bless me, but I'll make up some more rules Oh, and make sure I'll get the blessing. All right, Lord, I know you said you bless me, but I'm going to make some I wills. Well, if I do this, then you'll give me this. And then it basically becomes a boss. If I work 10 hours, you pay me this much. Well, if I do this many good things, then you owe me this, God. That's a transactional relationship. He is not your boss. He is your father. Goes on to say, you said you love me no matter what, but I will make rules up to follow you to make sure you will always love me. And when I fail, I'll know that you won't love me for a little bit, but then if I follow the rules for a little bit longer, I call it timeout Christianity. Oh, I failed. Okay, in a day when I'm better again, I know the Lord will love me the next day. No, he loves you right away. He doesn't... He doesn't, there's no, that's, that is bad human mindset. Goes on to say, you said your blood is what makes me righteous, but I'll make up some do's and don'ts and I'll make myself self-righteous. Get away from I will. Get away from it. Get away from I will and start declaring his he wills. Come on. Stop striving and start surrendering. Stop stressing and start believing. Stop reaching and start receiving. So he has an epic failure. What does God do with an epic failure? What does God do? Does he change his promise with, with Abraham? Or does he come back to him and says, man, you blew it. You blew it, Abraham. You're going to be father of many nations, but you blew it. I'm done with you. Here's what God comes and does. 
stop. I, I want to. I feel like this is for somebody. I don't want to pass this up. Do you know the Bible says that God's an author? Literally, He's the author and finisher of your life. Do you ever? I, I feel this way. Maybe you don't. Do you ever feel like you add pages to your story that you know that God didn't want to have in there? That if, if, if you were a robot, there's no way that, that, that your book would be that long. And what's happening in Abram's story, you've got to understand this. God is such a great author that Abram goes off script and adds pages to the story that he shouldn't add. But here's what's so great about our author and finisher. He's the redeemer of story. He can redeem any chapter. He, you can have 10 bad pages. He'll pick up right at that 10th page if you just go to him and say, God, look at this last Oh, chapter. I was writing my own chapter and it is disgusting. There is a bunch of pain, shame, and sorrow. Please, here's the pen back. Write what you want to write. And so Abram gets picked back up in the story of his life and the Lord says, give me the pen back. Here's what we're going to do in your story. Here's how it's going to work. And here's what he says in Genesis 17. God also said to Abram, as for Sarah, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations kings of people will come from her. Abraham fell face down and goes, oh, thank you, God, you're awesome. Mm, yes. Abraham fell face down. Look at this. He laughed and he said to himself. Just picture this. God said, comes back to this man, hey, your wife's going to have a son. <laughs> you know I'm 100 years old, right? <laughs> you know my wife is 90, Okay. And he goes on to tell him. This is literally, he keeps on talking to him. Like, this is what I love. Abraham goes, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. If only you would just bless my plan. Your plan takes too long. Your plan is painful. Your plan, I know it's going to produce a blessing for everybody, but just bless my plan because it's all about me. God goes, I'm not. I'll take care of that, but I have my plan, and I'm going to stick with my plan because my plan is going to save Tyler Johnson in 2000 and da-da-da. I'm going to stick with my plan because it's going to save this person and that person and this person. If we went with human plans, a lot of us would be dipped. Let's go back to Romans 4. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. Everybody say dead. And so was Sarah's womb. He faced the facts. You face the facts. I gotta face the facts, Lord. I'm 100. Oh, it's 90. Her reproductive system is for sure dead. Okay, I'm barely alive. Okay, and you're telling me that she's gonna have a son. All right, I'll go do it. Can you imagine Abraham coming home to his wife? Say, hey, babe. God told me that we have to make a baby. <laughs> Hold on. You know I'm 90, Abraham. Yeah, you know I'm 100. But he said it, so we got to do it, okay? It's an amazing picture. And whenever you talk about sex in church, it's like, oh my gosh, can't believe talking about sex. No, you've got to understand this. Abraham, oh, I'm just going to read it to you. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. So the rhythm of our hope Starts with, how could? How could God save me? And we go back to the he dids. He died on a cross. He conquered the grave. How could it? He did it. So he will do it in me. That's our rhythm as believers. How could God revive a region? 
We can look back at the Welsh revivals in the early 1900s. Hundreds of thousands of people. Pubs were closing. Church couldn't have it fill as many people as there was. 1900s. A whole city was transformed. He did it. And he will do it again. It's called the early Jesus movement in the late 1960s and 70s in L.A. How could God revive a whole region in L.A.? He did it. And he will do it again in the Bay Area. But Abraham did not have this to look back on. He knew God, but he didn't know about this resurrected God. He could look back on time, and he never saw anything dead that was resurrected. And he's saying, this is dead. This is dead. How are we going to birth a baby out of dead reproductive things? And God goes, I don't want you to know that I'm God. I want you to know that I'm the resurrected God. This is the first person in all of the Bible to believe God that he could bring dead things to life. Come on, this is an amazing moment that all of us were birthed from a dead thing that came to life. And a lot, hear this people, so many of you, it's so hard to hope. The reason why it's so hard for you to hope is because you never really dwell on the he dids and you never declare that he wills. Goes on to say in Genesis 21, and I hope you catch this. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the very time God had promised him, Abraham gave the, uh, the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised, uh, circumcised him as God had commanded him. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. We're going to finish with this thought. I don't want you to catch this. You're going to go on a journey in your life, and you're going to have to decide what posture you'll live it in. Because the posture of hope really is declared in two things. He will. He will do it. He'll do it. There's an amazing rhythm in the Bible where basically how could God birth a son from a woman's reproductive parts that's dead? How could a God birth a son out of a virgin? He did it. This is just what he does. He's in the impossible business. And throughout the, old, throughout the whole Old Testament, there's a bunch of he wills. Here's an he will. Isaiah 7. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. All right. That's a promise. He will. There is hope that Jesus will come and save uh, his people. Matthew 1. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took uh, place in this way. When his mother Mary had been uh, uh, betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be a wife uh, with child uh, from the Holy Spirit. Verse 23, uh, skip forward. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel. You're going to have to make a decision this week. If you're going to keep on saying, how could, how could, how could. Or you can live in two places, and I believe it's, it's phenomenal. I'm actually going to share <laughs> some of my journal with you. This is going to get awkward, okay? Um, straight up. This has been an interesting eight weeks for me. I've just trusted the Lord in my life and that he's going to do what he said he's going to do, that he's going to take care of the things he's going to have to take care of. And So I started uh, what I call a remembrance part of my journal, where I just write down things that God's done in my life. And I titled it the He Did Part. And so some things I wrote down, and I'm not going to read all of them to you because this ain't none of your business, but um, one of them says simply this, is that he saved me. God, you saved me. Age 16, I walked into my bedroom and I bawled like a baby for two hours. I thought Christianity was weird. I thought they were judgmental. I thought it was the last thing that I'd ever be intrigued by. 
you saved my soul. Second thing, another one I'll read with you is just, Lord, you led me to L.A. Got in a car, Bible college, didn't know a soul, moved to L.A. It was the scariest thing I've ever done in my life, but I felt like the Lord told me to do it, and he led me there. Right after that, I wrote this. You led me to Rachel. What's up, girl? She not here. That's just a microphone. <laughs> it's cool. Another thing that I wrote is you led me to Walnut Creek. I wrote down, you brought over 300 people to our church on our first Sunday, Lord. You picked the Garden Heather Farm for six weeks. If we would have been there for the seventh week, it wouldn't have fit. So you moved us to Heather Farms, the community center, for, your very, for our very first Easter. Four weeks ago, man, you should have seen me. I was telling God, Lord, if we can't find a venue, we have 300 people that are saved, we're building this amazing community. I'm telling God all the things that we are bringing to the table. And I'm so, I'm so stressed. Oh, I mean, I, it may not be big to you, but it was big to me, just like anything else. The things that are big to you may not be big to me, but this was big to me. It was so big to me that I just, I was so stressed out that I, I went to the doctor, dentist, you name it. My teeth were exploding from stress. I, I literally was, uh, I thought I was having a heart attack, but it was just anxiety. Um, I found out this, and you're going to, this is TMI on a whole different level. I went to the doctor, and I found out, you know what causes stress? You know what stress causes? These things called hemorrhoids. Yes. Whoa, too much information. Wow. We went there. Did we go there? Oh, my gosh. We went there. Yes. 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 Say, hey, now you're just laughing at me. Tone it down a little bit. Your stress is carried based on your digestive thing from here all the way to here, okay? And it, stress had me from all over, okay? I couldn't sleep at night. I was like, Lord, I want, I want to see your kingdom come. And, and so I went back and I just started reminiscing on the he dids. A great bishop once said, if you're going to laugh at it later, you might as well laugh at it now. If you're going to look fondly back at this season later, you might as well look fondly on it now. And so I had my remembrance one, but as I was studying this journal, I needed a hope one. I needed a hope part in my journal. I needed a he will. I needed to declare that he wills, God, that you will do this in my life. I wrote down, God, you're going to get us in a new campus in December. You're going to get us in one. You will. He will do it. I wrote down, God, you're going to provide millions for us to get a new home. You're going to provide finances for them. I wrote simple things. These are personal ones I'm not going to share with you. God, you will never give up on me. God, you're going to take care of Rachel and I's future. You will bring revival to this region. So I go back and I'll, I'll write down he wills because it's already done. He already did it. Do you know that Mission Church already has a building and land? It's just not revealed to us yet. Did you know that? Did, did you know that, that you have promises on your life in this next season, but you can't see him, but God does? And if he just says, if you would hope in me and walk on my path, oh my goodness, get out of the way. There is this rhythm. How could God save me? He did it, and I believe he will save more. How could God love me? He did it, and I believe he can love more. How could God revive a region? He's done it, and he will do it before. How could he did, and he will? Get home. Start writing down all the he dids in your life. 
get ready to ball like a baby because I did and then start writing the he wills and start dreaming like you've never dreamt before. I'm driving around this whole region now going, oh my gosh, Lord, <laughs> we're going to turn this thing upside down. You know, let me be a part of it. I'm your flashlight guy. We're about to, I'm about to be a part of a revival. I'm about to be something where they write in history. In 1904, there was a handful of pastors in, well, in the Welsh Revival, and they started praying, and they started proclaiming this thing called revival, and a few hundred people came, and then out of the blue, thousands, and then out of the blue, hundreds of thousands, and then the whole city was like, what is going on? And, and people would say, how did this happen? Here's what happened. Somebody hoped, and so therefore somebody prayed, and therefore somebody showed up, and therefore somebody loved. Come on. This is what your promise is on your life. Enemy wants you to go and just live your day and try to grind. No, hope big for your life. Oh, and the posture of hope is simply this. He will. This week doesn't show it to me. He's going to do it. How do you know this? I know my God. Will you bow your heads?